Welcome back to season three of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Today, I am really excited for this conversation with Andrew Forbes on how Zendesk, a powerhouse in the MarTech space, has really thought about go-to-market process and product launches. We will all learn so much from this episode and how Andrew really thinks about and at the end of the day, manages a team of product marketers that bring incredible products to the market. Zendesk's focus on research and the process that ultimately brings products to market is unique in many ways. And I personally learned a ton from this conversation with Andrew, and I know you will as well. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. Welcome back to season three of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. I am really excited today to have Andrew Forbes, the Director of Product Marketing for Release and Product Solutions at the amazing company, Zendesk. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me. Andrew, can you tell us a little bit about how you became a PMM? I think everybody's path is a little bit different into becoming a PMM. So we'd love to hear a little bit about your journey. Yeah, I definitely can. My career, it didn't start within product marketing. I actually started within sales. When I came out of school, I was looking for jobs as most people do. And I came across a really cool tech startup that was doing data analytics, data visualization in Kansas City, where I was living at the time. And I thought their software and their technology was incredible. I tested it out, did the free trial, went through all of that. And I told myself that I needed to get a job at this company. And while I had graduated with more of a technical degree, I wanted to get in at any role that I could. And so I accepted a role as an account executive. I, I didn't ever really see myself in a sales role in my career, but I ended up loving it. And that's where my career began. It was about a 14-person company at the time, so we were wearing a ton of different hats. And I found myself really liking to do product marketing things, even though I didn't really know what product marketing was or the responsibilities of a product marketer. But I was creating use cases and email templates and guides and trainings for folks on the team to use. And it was really helpful to the other people in selling roles on the team. Eventually, the company that I was working for got acquired by Zendesk, and I joined the team and switched to a solution consulting role, but continued to do product marketing things on the side. And that's where I really started to learn about product marketing at Zendesk. And then the stars kind of aligned from there, and a job opportunity opened on the product marketing team, and I applied for it. And it was actually covering the company that Zendesk had acquired that I had joined from. And that's how I found my way into a, a product marketing role and really took what I was passionate about, which was sales enablement, helping people sell, helping people understand the value of our product and have turned it into a career. That's incredible. And it's funny how sometimes startup experiences, I, I've certainly had my own that I've talked about a little bit on prior episodes can prepare us without even maybe necessarily knowing so for an amazing career in product marketing, like it sounds like it did with you. 
Yeah. As I said early on, I didn't know what product marketing was. You know, I was fresh out of school. I was not in a big tech hub by any means. And I was selling, but doing these things on the side and, and I really loved it. And I think the opportunity at a small startup to wear a bunch of different hats and learn about a bunch of different things can help you understand what you're passionate about. And that's what it did for me. It led me down the product marketing route. For sure. And, and one thing I, I tell pretty much everyone who reaches out to me who is interested in product marketing or who's interviewing for a product marketing role is that passion, that curiosity, those fundamental skills will last them a lifetime, whether their aspirations are to be senior in product marketing or, or even somewhere else in marketing or even somewhere a different department within the company, they will last a lifetime. And, and they really are true like business building skills in so many different respects. So it's awesome to hear that. I mean, we're, you talked a little bit about your career growth and product marketing. If we zoom out a little bit over the past, let's say five or seven years or so has seen just this massive increase in kind of mind share and market share, so to speak, within companies as well. You know, as a director of product marketing at Zendesk, what do you think about the career of product marketing? What do you think uh, about the kind of evolution and, and the take on what it looks like going forward? Yeah. I mean, product marketing overall is a fantastic place to be. I think that product marketers have taken more and more of a strategic position within companies over the past few years, and that's growing. As more vendors start to come into the market, more funding goes around, there's more of a need for people who can clearly communicate what their product does and can clearly communicate how we can go out and push this product in the market or how we can enable our sales teams to successfully take these products to market. And I think that those needs are just going to continue to grow more and more over time. It's going to create more of a need for product marketers. I see that there are a lot of generalist product marketers out there right now. I do think that there is going to be a growing need as teams start to realize the benefits of product marketing to start to have more specialization. But in the future, we will start to see larger product marketing teams that have more specialized product marketers within the team. But overall, there's going to be a ton of growth within the product marketing space and a lot of opportunity for different people. Totally agree. We certainly started to see some of that specialization at larger product marketing teams. You know, curious, e even at Zendesk, does your team have specialization into specific solutions or maybe product areas or, or different areas or, or just how do you organize maybe? Our team is fairly specialized. And so if you look at product marketing at Zendesk at the highest level, we have what we call core product marketing, which is where my team rolls up under, where we focus on messaging and positioning and GTM strategy for our core products and also releasing new products into the market. We also have dedicated product marketers that focus on pricing and packaging or specific verticals. And most recently, we've added on product marketing researchers who are going out, trying to understand the market better, trying to understand our customer base better so that we can influence business decisions in a more data-driven way. And also take all these research findings and present them out to our customers, you know, doing a state of report to tell people, hey, this is where the market's headed. This is what you need to do. And so there are a lot of different roles within the Zendesk product marketing team that have a varying degree of specialization today. I love that. I love that specialization and the way you've structured the team. Well, during my time at HubSpot, we had a team structure that was pretty similar in many respects, where we had this group of really core product marketers that were responsible for go-to-market strategy. And then we had a group within product marketing. They weren't necessarily PMMs by title, but they did competitive intelligence 
exclusively and, and then worked across kind of the horizontally across all of the PMMs on the team and then market researchers as well. So it's fascinating to, to hear that and to see that play out also at Zendesk. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the competitive piece because that was the one group that I left out. <laughs> we had that as well. <laughs> and it is a group that spans horizontally. They cover the whole team. They're helping support a variety of different projects, whether it be a new product release, whether it be ex- helping reps just defend against competitors when it comes to our core products or doing a lot of deal support. Those folks do a, a whole lot for the product marketing team. For sure. Competitive intelligence managers, we love you here in product marketing. So don't take that the wrong way. But I mean, with as much of a Red Sea as our markets are, and as many competitors as there are, competitive intelligence is at such a premium that it's really an incredible time to be in that. You mentioned GTM a few times, and it's this really important strategic center of what product marketing truly does. And and I'm sure everybody realizes that, right? But I want to talk a little bit about how you think about them at Zendesk. You know, how, how does Zendesk bring new products to the market? How do you think about the process uh, of bringing new products to the market? Yeah, it is a very big, very well-defined process that we have going at Zendesk. It, It really all starts with understanding the market, understanding the opportunity, and partnering close with our product teams to understand what they are building so that we can address whatever that opportunity is. And once a release is in motion, once the product teams start to build something that's going to address a customer need, that's when we start to kick off the whole launch and go-to-market process on the Zendesk side. And so we get the program built, we start to detail who are we going after, what are the personas, who are the people that are going to be interested in this, And I think that is really the core to any launch is understanding the people that are going to be at the receiving end of whatever you're building, because everything else flows off of that. Whether you're going to update your website, whether you're going to put together enablement resources for sales folks, you really need to understand who those people are so that you can speak to them in everything that you build. And so on the GTM front, we do a lot of research early on to understand you know, what we're building, what people think about it, the benefits that they're going to see out of it, their propensity to purchase this thing or how they'd like to see it packaged. And then from there, we start to come up with the GTM plan. Once we know who these folks are, how they're going to speak about this thing, we start to say, okay, how are we going to go after them? And so from there, we plan out what does it look like on the integrated campaigns front? How are we going to put this in front of people from a PR perspective, from an analyst relations perspective, from a general campaigns perspective? What are the emails or the in-product messages look like that are going to go out to somebody as well as content? How do we start to seed the market early on? Are there opportunities to start to get ahead of the story that we're going to eventually tell that will lead people towards the big launch that, that we're going to have? Also updating our web pages, updating in all the different ways that someone would see this new release. And then making sure that internally we're aligned on our ability to sell it. Our sales team is ready from an enablement perspective, from an operational perspective, are we ready to go and take this product to market? Which I know that in our sort of hybrid world, there are a lot of people out there who are anti-meetings, but I do think that for a large DTM program to be successful, there is a degree of meetings to gain alignment with everybody and make sure that you're aligned from an operational perspective to take something to market in terms of being able to collect money from the thing that you're about to launch, that people can start a free trial. There are a ton of different things that go into a successful GTM strategy and execution of that strategy. And I'm happy to to drill into any of those if you'd like to. 
I love that. And I'd love to actually drill into a few of those areas, Andrew, if you don't mind. Sure. I, I think that the process at which an incredible company like Zendesk brings product to market is just really fascinating. There are two areas that you said in particular that I'd love to dive into, if you don't mind. The first is research. I, I don't know if you agree with this, but from my opinion, so many product marketers skip this step or, or at least try to skip this step by doing very lightweight research. I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about like what type of research do you do? Is it surveys to the customer base or you know, what type of research do you do ahead of time, ahead of maybe one of these larger type product launches? In my mind, research is one of the most important things that a product marketer can do. And when it comes to a new product launch at Zendesk, we do both qualitative and quantitative research. So you mentioned surveys. We send out quite a few surveys to folks who might be in a beta program or customers that we may think have a propensity to use this thing in the future to understand their general perception of it. As we move into a release phase, we will also survey them about pricing and packaging. If there is going to be pricing and packaging related with this thing that we're launching, a new price tag associated with it, starting to ask them, what is your propensity to buy this thing? What do you think about different price points? How would you see this package? Would you even buy? Do you think this thing should be bundled? So there are a lot of questions that we will ask there. And then we will also do a lot of customer meetings and we'll do customer meetings in the form of a ride along with the product managers meeting with customers to gather feedback and hear it directly from people, but also with our sales teams. If there are opportunities that, that we have seen from our success folks, they've bubbled up feedback from a particular customer. We'll go out and meet with them to learn what they think about this thing that we're building. How would they talk about it? How do they perceive it? How important is it going to be to their business? And so we do a lot of research pre-launch to understand all of those things. Incredible. A lot of times the amount or types of research you do as not only an individual, but as a kind of a product marketing team and the rigor around that oftentimes shows a level of maturity amongst your product marketing team as well. And I love to hear that you really dive into that research and really value that that research in your go-to-market process and, and strategy, you know, upfront. I think that's just so, so, so important and way too many folks just from the conversations I've had. I think so too. Sometimes product marketers get into a mindset where they think, you know what? I know these customers, we've been marketing them for a long time. I know how they're going to talk about this thing. I know everything about them, which in a lot of cases as product marketers, we do know probably the most about customers besides the individual success people or salespeople who own an account than anyone else in the organization. But there are so many surprising things that come out of research when you are going out and speaking with customers about a new release. And there are so many things that you learn from just how they talk about a release that's going to influence your messaging and positioning and make it all the better. You might say, you know what, I need to talk about this thing in this particular way because it's how we've always done it. And I think that is a dangerous mindset to get in. You need to constantly be learning from your customers, your sales reps, all the folks that are going to be involved in this go-to-market process. So you can refine every piece of that go-to-market process. And so again, research is an incredibly important aspect. And to your point of a lot of product marketers skipping over it or doing a light bit of it, my advice is to change that, is to go out and talk with your customers and talk with your sales team and send those surveys because it's going to help make your launch bigger and better because you're going to know more about the people that you're selling to and what they think about it. For sure. Totally agree. And as they say, ego is the enemy, right? And the second that you take that, I guess, ego into play and, and think that, you know, as a product marketer that we know all, that it can be a really just dangerous time. And so you're absolutely right that the research is truly critical. Jumping back into the go-to-market 
process here. You know, Zendesk is a fast-growing company, and there's, I'm sure, from the outside looking in, I'm sure there's a lot going on within the company in terms of different products that are launching and features and, and so forth and so on. So how do you think about prioritizing these launches when so much is happening all at once? That is a, a constant struggle of a very large, fast-growing product marketing team. But the, the way that we've addressed it so far is that we have a really strong tiering structure, tier one through three, that will align the different GTM tactics with the tier. So every product marketer that is going to do a launch within the company can see those published tiers. We even publish them out to our GTM team so they understand the tiers when we communicate these launches out to folks. So we work heavily off that tiering structure as a guide for go-to-market. It is a guide though. It is directional. There are always new folks that join the team or new ideas that come up that we can incorporate into our own launch. So it really serves as a baseline for how we structure the different things that we're going to launch and how we prioritize them, but it can always be adjusted and changed. And the way that we launch things at Zendesk is pretty interesting. Tier one launches will have their own dedicated track. They are highly prioritized. You know, these are things that are going to have a substantial customer business or revenue impact. And so we want to make sure that they get a lot of time in the limelight. They're going to have their own PR. They're going to have their own web updates. They're going to have a full integrated campaign push behind them. And we found that is what we should be doing for a launch of that size. Things that are smaller though, a tier two launch or tier three launch, we bundle up into a quarterly release. So we have a really strong quarterly release program at Zendesk where we talk about all the things that are shipping over the course of a quarter and round them up and wrap a narrative around it that ties it into our overall corporate narratives, but still educates folks on all the other things coming that may not necessarily be a, a tier one release. I love that release structure too. It provides a lot of power and storytelling acumen to the product marketing team and to the broader organization to wrap all of those releases into this quarterly release and then really make these, what I would call for my time at HubSpot, these marketable moments for these like tier one releases. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how we approach it. It makes it easier on the business. You know, it's repeatable and it's consistent. And we know that every quarter we're going to have this release. We're going to obviously build on the campaign itself and try to make it bigger and better. But we want that overall narrative for what we're building to tie into the overall business narrative because we're educating the sales reps on that. And the campaigns folks in the business are executing against that overall narrative. And so if we can say our narrative for the quarter is that we want to help a business businesses support team or service team be more agile and react quickly to change. Well, we can then say for our releases that quarter, that is what our releases aim to do. Uh, and then what we'll do is we'll pick out those tier two launches that really help us reinforce whatever that overall business narrative is. And so if they are you know, ways to just move faster as a support team, customize what a customer service agent sees, give customers more flexibility, those are the things that we wanna call out because it ties into the overall business narrative and strengthens the narrative that we're trying to put into the market. For sure. And I, I want to, for one second, just drill a little bit into the weeds of this, because I think a lot of product marketing teams face this as they look to move towards this quarterly model. Mm -hmm. And a lot of product marketing teams struggle with it as well. And I certainly have myself, but how do you balance the need to inform the organization and your own customers, of course, as well with the ongoing set of updates that are happening on, you know, maybe a daily or weekly or biweekly basis type of thing with the kind of quarterly release cycle or broader release cycle happening at 
the organization as well? It is definitely a fine balance. The way that we do it is we launch on a quarterly basis, but each month we do a roundup enablement webinar for our GTM teams where we talk about all the releases that have come out. And at that point, we aren't necessarily marketing those releases yet. We will have an announcement in a Slack channel and the PMs will be excited that they've pushed it. We'll put announcements in our help center and our knowledge base, and we might make some light web updates, but we don't drive awareness of those things until the quarterly release. The reason that we do that is it has just gotten to the point at Zendesk where to your point, we have so much coming at any given time. It's hard for us to just be launching things all the time. And so rounding things up into that quarterly cadence has been really, really helpful for us. But we did realize that we have a bunch of customers that want to know about things right when they're released. And so this model of pushing the documentation, pushing the information about it, and then driving awareness on a monthly cadence with the GTM team so that they can tell their customers about it who really want to know has been a good model for us so far. And then the big push outwardly to the market happens on that quarterly cadence. So we aren't telling customers broadly until that date, but if they do want to know about releases, there are a ton of different ways for them to keep up with it or for someone on our own go-to-market side, sales, success, to educate customers about them. And that's a great balance of not getting bogged down too much in the go-to-market machinery, so to speak, of what's going on a daily or weekly basis type of thing versus mm -hmm. you know ensuring that you're enabling and communicating internally and externally on what's happening and also really driving the market forward with those narratives. I, I really like that approach. It's been good for us so far. I think the only other thing that I would add to it is we are really diligent about publishing our product roadmap at the beginning of any quarter. And our product roadmap is fairly tactical at Zendesk. We even call it our capability roadmap. And that roadmap is a nine-month glimpse into what we're shipping. And within the notes of that presentation, we have the documentation linked for things that have shipped. And product marketers are updating that all the time. As things come out, we go into that capability roadmap. We change the, you know, this is expected to launch in the third quarter of 2021 to it is now live. And then the documentation gets linked in the notes. And so our GTM teams have that always on channel where they can see what's coming. And then as things start to become available, they will have all the information right at their fingertips to communicate it with customers that need to know about it. And we also do a lot of work to enable our GTM teams to go out and present that roadmap. So for existing customers, the Zendesk super users who really want to know about upcoming releases, they oftentimes know about them three, six, nine months before they even come out, which has been a solid model for us. That's amazing. And I love that idea of the roadmap and informing folks internally, but you know, when things are coming out, that's a really good way of thinking about it. One more question as we kind of dive a little bit further into this, which is I'm sure your broader marketing team outside of product marketing, that is demand gen, customer marketing, et cetera, have their own priorities clearly and, and their own themes that they're working on. How do you ensure that these quarterly themes, and I'm not necessarily talking about the tier one releases, because it sounds like those get their own track and that everyone really rallies around that. But mm -hmm. how do you ensure that the quarterly releases are aligned with all of these respective teams within marketing and across the organization for, for that matter as well, but really just across marketing to like really push it out to the broader market? 
That's a good question. So we we're in the process of refining this right now at Zendesk, and we we want to get to a world where we have uh, a little bit more of a heads up and more predictability into what that overall message is. Right now, we have a couple quarters notice, so we know what the messages will be in the back half of the year, and from there we have so many things launching that fall into our tier two and tier three buckets. It gives us a lot of time to say, okay, if the overall narrative, again, I'll use the example from last quarter, is agility, it gives us about a quarter or so to come up with what that narrative is and say, these are the things that might be launching around that time that are going to help us reinforce that narrative. And these are the big releases that we should play up. And sometimes we've even found ourselves saying, there are some things that are tier two that are going to be applicable to our customers, but they don't necessarily reinforce the narrative as much as we want. What if we hold off to talk about those things until the following quarter when it will help us reinforce whatever that narrative may be? Love that. So Zendesk is really well known in the the service space, right? You've done a phenomenal job positioning and marketing the company in the service space and and launching narratives there as well. And and recently you've expanded out into sales. Curious if you can talk a little bit about, you know, what led to the kind of entry into that market. How did you think about that launch? I imagine it was a tier one launch based off the way you've talked about these launches, but can you talk a little bit about that launch and kind of how it worked and some of the inner workings of that? I can. I think the expansion into sales was a natural progression for Zendesk. You have to own something or have something in most cases to want to get service from a company or be interested in something that they sell. And so sales software was really a natural progression for us as a company. And we made that move late in 2018. We acquired a company called Base, which was a very well-known CRM market out or CRM vendor out in the market. And we integrated them into the Zendesk solution, rebranded it as part of the launch as Zendesk Cell, and began taking it to market to all of our customers. Zendesk Cell is a great sales solution applicable to, I would say, the Zendesk SMB audience. And we saw that there was a large opportunity for us to start to cross-sell sales tools into our customers that were already on our service tools. I think there was a lot of value there for our customers because having a tightly integrated sales and service solution allows a business to do both of those things better. As a sales rep, for you to be able to see things like open cases, be able to see interactions with a support team and those sorts of things helps you tailor the conversations that you're having with the people that you're trying to sell to or people that you are managing as an account manager. You can reach out and say, hey, I see that you have a couple of tickets. Let me help you prioritize those or I help find the answers on my own if it's taking the support team a little bit. And it also helps the support teams provide much more of a tailored response to their customers because they could see that there are a bunch of different sales opportunities out with somebody who has submitted some tickets. And that's probably going to change the response of the customer service person, or they might involve that sales rep to say, hey, this person has some open opportunities and they also have some questions of us. How could we approach this and make sure that they're really taking care of those customers and providing the best information and best customer experience overall to those folks. And so we brought that to market in 2018 and began cross-selling it into our Zendesk customer base. It's also something that we package on its own and it can be bought by anybody out there in the market that's looking for sales software for to manage their pipeline and manage deals and that sort of thing. 
Amazing. And it seems like a, a really a natural evolution, I guess, so to speak, of Zendesk offerings and expansion into the space. And if it's fair to say the market is really headed in that way, right, where they're really considering these solutions and the kind of the expansion of solutions and how they really work together. So I imagine it was a pretty natural step for, for you and the Zendesk team. We certainly think so. We certainly think that it's important for businesses to have a joint sales and service solution because it, it just streamlines a lot of the process between those two teams. And so, again, it was a very natural evolution for us. Amazing. I think as product marketers and frankly, as individuals too, we like to talk about the moments where we had an amazing product launch and everything went just according to plan. Although I don't know about you, but a lot of my launches, there's been like one minor thing or something has happened last minute that has certainly caused a lot of stress. But we, as individuals, we like to talk about all of those really good moments that we've had in our career. And I don't think we talk enough in product marketing about moments where maybe something didn't go according to plan. Curious if maybe like you have a, a launch or some part of the go-to-market process that you can talk a little bit about that you know maybe wasn't working or just maybe a launch that didn't work and what you learned and and how you would kind of adapted from there because we all can learn from those kind of mistakes i guess so to speak oh i think so too and i think that any product marketer who tells you that they have only run launches that have always gone perfectly and have never had any issues is lying to you because <laughs> there, there's no such thing as a perfect product launch. There's always something that comes up. There's always something that breaks. There's always a, a change in scope, a change in the plan that product marketers have to work around. And I think that great product marketers are, are able to do that. And they're also able to reflect on the issues that they had so that they make sure that they don't come up the next time. I, I have no shortage of examples where, you know, a web page hasn't gone out on time or a customer, we found errors in a trial experience. They can't actually test it out after we've blasted emails to a bunch of customers about something. But one that comes to mind for me, and it was the first launch that I worked on at Zendesk, and it was to launch a new analytics product. We put in three, four or five months of, of work on the go-to-market side. We had everything ready on the integrated marketing front. We had web pages built. We had just done enablement to our sales teams. We had finished pricing and packaging. We thought everything was good to go. And a couple of days before the launch, after we had already started to push some things, we decided to post because we decided that at, at a last minute, 11th hour, that we just weren't quite there on product readiness. And so for us, we as product marketers already had to start, we already had some things going out. And so we had to turn around and do a lot of damage control and say, you know what, we're actually going to postpone this launch. It's not going to happen when we said it will. We had to go back to many different teams and say, all these things that we have planned come out this week, webinars, press releases, all these different things we need to put a hold on until the product is a little bit further along and that we can push it to our customers. And that pause period ended up being a fairly substantial amount of time. And so we had to do a lot of mitigation of unhappy customers and internal teams that had worked hard on a launch. And you know, for us on the product marketing team, it felt a little bit out of our control because it ultimately ended up being a, a product decision. 
But I would say that for me, that is is one that comes to mind. Having a launch pulled at the 11th hour when things already started going out and then having to go back and, and over the course of the following quarters, rebuild confidence with the folks that you partner with. I, I think that was something that stands out in my mind. And then also having to rebuild confidence with customers when you actually launch it. Because when you jump on those calls with customers to start to gather some feedback and the first things they say are, well, are we actually going to get it this time? Or is it going to go away after a few weeks after we've had it? was definitely challenging, but that is is one that sticks out in my mind. And at Zendesk, when that happened, we definitely learned a lot. We learned that we need to be more diligent about our releases, that we need to make sure that product testing is complete a few weeks in advance before we decide to launch something not as close to the launch date as we had scheduled. And we also learned that it's really important for us to be flexible and that we do need to have a backup plan that if something does change at the 11th hour or does go wrong, we need to be able to jump jump on it quickly and make sure that things are changing in the way that they need to be changed. Wow. I think there's an incredible amount of go-to-market lessons in there for everyone listening to this. And we've all had, or, or at least just speaking for myself, I have definitely had more launches than I care to remember that have been pulled at the 11th hour. <laughs> and, and while it can be frustrating, it's also a lesson in adaptability and, and humility to an extent too, right? Because after months of work, it, it, it can be challenging, but no, that's an amazing story. And there's just so many lessons in there. So thank you for sharing, Andrew. Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's a lot of product marketers get down when, when things like that happens. But I, I do think that it's important to remember that when launches get pulled like that at 11th hour, at the end of the day, as a company, you're doing it because it's the right thing to do for your customers, because it's not necessarily ready yet. It's not going to be the experience that they want. And if you were to go ahead and launch it, which a lot of product marketers might say, like, you know, what? all my things are ready. Why don't we just do it and we can figure out the product stuff later? At the end of the day, the product piece is the most important component. And it's about making sure that your customers have that great experience. If that's not something that you can do, I think that product marketers need to accept that it's okay to push the launch and that they need to come up with that plan for what they do next uh, and how they replan the launch. I think it's incredibly important. Totally agree. Yeah. That experience that a customer will have is fundamentally defined by their first interaction with that product and wanting it to be good. And everything we do in product marketing needs to build up to, to that moment and needs to ensure that it is a good experience. And even if we've worked poured our heart into to a launch and, and that launch gets pulled in the 11th hour, if it's for the right reasons, it's all worth it in, in my mind. Right. I agree. Andrew, as we think to wrap up this conversation, you've shared a ton of lessons on go-to-market strategy and how it works at Zendesk. And I've learned a lot personally, just myself too. One of the things I like to do in my own career and, and just for myself individually is read or even just listen to other podcasts You know, when I get the chance to. Curious if there's been any books you've read recently that have had an impact on your own career or, or maybe even podcasts or, or just anything else for that matter. Yeah, that is a great question. I cover a ton of different blogs on any given day. I'm combing through ShareBird at all of the AMAs that happen. I think that for me, at least, the best place to learn is from folks who have experienced things. A lot of the comments that I see from folks who are doing ShareBird AMAs are the most helpful bits of information, whether it be about a new launch or how to do pricing and packaging or how to approach enablement. 
seeing and reading through the responses and the ensuing discussion is huge. I would say that that is a great place to look. On the book front, there is a great book called Influence that I think a lot of you could pick it up on Amazon. It's a great read that I think is important. It's important because it explains the psychology behind people's decisions and how you can influence people to do whatever it is that you're trying to make them do. And as marketers, we do that a lot, especially in the product marketing world when it comes to messaging positioning. I think that's a, a great read as well as something that I like as well as the, the copywriter's handbook. And I know that might be sort of cliche or lame as a product marketer to say, but it's so important to just read and understand what great copywriting looks like and see all of those examples and have a framework in your mind for how to write great messaging, how to write great positioning and how to write great copy overall. So I would suggest those two things as well as the ShareBird AMAs. I think they are fantastic. That's phenomenal advice, Andrew. And I may be a little bit biased on the, the AMAs, but no, those are truly phenomenal. I'm definitely going to have to check out a few of these books that, that you recommended as well. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all of your wisdom and lessons learned. We really appreciate it. And I just thank you for sharing with us. Jeffrey, thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk a little bit more about how we approach launches and releases at Zendesk and everything that goes into our GTM plan. So thank you for letting me join and, and talk about that today. Of course. Thank you, Andrew. Stay in the know about your competitive landscape with Clue. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards. Delivered everywhere your sales reps live. Through integrations with Salesforce, Slack, Highspot, and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue.